Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to yet another edition of TV7 Editor's Note. I'm Jonathan Hassan, and today we have a very special guest, a dear friend and colleague, the former foreign minister and deputy premier of Finland, Mr. Timo Soini. It's such a pleasure having you here, Timo. Thank you, Jonathan. It's always nice to come to Jerusalem and see you, and uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, to say the least, uh, in this production, we start with a brief prayer uh, yep. to invite our Lord to join us, and then uh, we'll dive immediately into a number of topics that I think uh, okay. are important to discuss. So if you may all join us as well. Thank you, Lord, for today, Father. Thank you for the blessing and privilege of being able to be here together with uh, Brother Timo Soini. Lord, guide our conversation that anything that we uh, say will be truly to your glory and that it will serve as a blessing to all that are watching us right now. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Timo, what's on your heart? Uh, Quite a lot. Uh, I just uh, arrived Jerusalem, and I noticed uh, the very day that uh, the the new progress has uh, emerged in the Ukraine conflict. Uh, the dim has been exploded, and and uh, the totally new situation in there, and I'm worried, and uh, and that uh, of course reflects also to my home country Finland. We are the neighbors of the Russia, and uh, it seems that uh, there will be a new states in Ukraine-Russian war. This is not the first time that the Russians destroyed a dam to stop in advance. No. Uh, This happened in the past, 1941. Yeah, that's right. It was Stalin who wanted uh, to stop Hitler's troop. Uh, He did it uh, once uh, before, and now they are doing uh, the same Tactics. It uh, it was enough to stop the Nazis uh, in in due course of time, but uh, but uh, the, the Nazis then built it again, and then when they left, they exploded it again. Mm. So this is a vicious circle, and uh, and I'm very sad to see what is happening overall in in Ukraine, and uh, this should uh, worry us all. Indeed. Well, I, I was speaking with a good friend of mine who happens to be an American general. Yeah. And he, he was just in Ukraine not uh, so long ago. They met with Zelensky as a group of uh, American generals. He sent me the message when it happened, when the dam uh, was yeah. uh, struck. Uh, of course, Russia didn't claim responsibility for this. Uh, but nevertheless, yeah. um, he said, Jonathan, what do you think? And I said, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, because I yes. didn't want to give an answer before I yeah. hear what he has to say. Yeah. But uh, common sentiments, uh, it, it frustrates uh, Ukraine's counteroffensive. Yeah. Uh, at least at this stage. Uh, and re-diverts troops that Russia can take from that area and place them somewhere else to either establish its own counteroffensive or do other things. Yeah. Um, which uh, we need to wait and see. But in any case, uh, yeah. I came back from uh, Warsaw. 
mm-hmm. uh, early this morning. I might look a little bit tired. <laughs> uh, I only got in at roughly 5 a.m. But one of the things that uh, I heard in Warsaw, and a country that obviously has been uh, championing um, yeah. support for Ukraine and, and really um, promoting that in, in multiple facets, um, I met with very senior people, delegates, both government, uh, military intelligence, and, and others. And hearing also the stories from behind the scenes, what's happening in, in Ukraine, what, how Poland is involved in the whole situation, of course, to also enlarge my own uh, knowledge and understanding of the situation from another perspective. But... Uh, you know, when you assess the situation, you see a, a point of disparity yeah. where people are not sure if Ukraine is going to win. Yeah. And they're devout Christians in Poland, and they're praying really sincerely mm-hmm. that Ukraine will not succumb because this would also have terrible consequences, not only for Ukraine, but other countries throughout Europe, on the eastern side, in the Baltics, and, yeah. of course, uh, Finland is a neighbor of of Ukraine, of, uh, excuse me, of Russia. Uh, how, how do you look at this as somebody who obviously has been to Russia as a foreign minister also, yeah. but also not as a foreign minister? Yeah, many times. Uh, of course, we are deeply worried and we must all give a big credit uh, to Poland, uh, what they have been doing. They have been helping, they have been accommodating people, they have be a vocal uh, loudspeaker to the whole world that look at what is happening and they were in time. And also the Baltic countries, they said to the rest of the Europe and the rest of the world, what is going to happen? But sad to say, many big countries in Europe, Germany, France, many others, didn't want to listen because the message was so, such a bad one they didn't want to hear it. We had this gas pipeline, Nord Stream 2, and uh, we, we were talking about uh, to, to deeper, co- deeper cooperation with Russia to, to, to uh, tie Russia's hands with the cooperation and money. But uh, people in Baltic countries and Poland uh, and, and also partly in Finland, we know that in Russia, ideology always beats the money. But in the, in the postmodern West, everybody thinks that money beats the ideology mm. because there is no other ideology anymore in the Western societies than money. Where is the faith? Where is the roots? Mammon. Yeah, mammon. Mammon, uh, the big, uh, uh, big uh, golden calf. That sure. uh, that is really, that is really a, a bad thing. That the history seems to be wiped out, and, and the history and roots doesn't mean so much to the people anymore. But in Poland, they have been in between Germany and Russia for dec- uh, for for ages. So they have a collective memory, and they know that if they don't cry out now there will be no maybe other option 
in the future. Mm. I really appreciate what they are doing. And of course, the Baltic countries, they are very small countries in the, they are totally dependent on the support of NATO and US. And uh, I, I think also that what Poland and uh, Baltic countries have been successful, they have been a major link to US, whose support as UK support has been uh, uh, immense. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Well, you know, also one of the reasons I was in Poland, I was trying to identify various trends um, other than potential cooperation with uh, one of the institutes there, which uh, I believe will become fruitful uh, and uh-huh. we will start collaborating with uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, institute uh, uh, in Warsaw, uh, which uh, works also from a conservative perspective particularly. But Something that I, I noticed, and I hear both in Jerusalem, also in, in Warsaw, and there is a very um, keenness on both sides to bolster relations between Israel and Poland, which is yeah. quite interesting, and, and this was just off topic. But, you know, when we look at the responsibility of the West, yeah, towards various conflicts, we look here at Israel, which leans to a certain degree on the West. You know, Israel chose, it chose the United States over Russia and China. Yeah. Um, People may not know this, but uh, prior to the establishment of the state of Israel, Ben Gurion, the first prime minister of the state of Israel, sent a delegation to the third international of the communist party. And while uh, the communists uh, in, in Moscow said, okay, we expect, you know, Israel to partake, Ben-Gurion said, there is one issue that we cannot accept, and that's we cannot accept that everything looks to Mother Russia and everything looks to Moscow because for us, Jerusalem and God is everything as Jews. Yeah. So coming from a secular leader is quite interesting. uh, Yeah. Which is uh, intriguing for itself. But I'd like to take a couple steps backwards. When we started, before starting today's uh, edition, you you evoked uh, a certain quote. Yeah, I I was quoting uh, Sir Edmund Burke, who said uh, that uh, bad things happened mainly because the good guys are not doing anything or don't uh, or delivering too little. That is the general uh, idea of the quote. I don't remember it. Uh, by letter by letter, but this is uh, the the responsibility of the individual. We have lost that sense that I can deliver, I should take part, I should be responsible. It is said that state can deliver, business can deliver, but what about us people? And we have a lot of character and we have a lot of strength is especially in the ballot box, if we so decide. But it needs some courage and sense of history and sense of some kind of political line. I said always when I was in politics that we have three pillars, uh, and and that is uh, the democracy comes from Greece, the justice comes from Rome, and the faith comes from Jerusalem. 
these are the cornerstones of the West, which we build the functional society on, where everybody matters. But uh, but it has been wiped out in the public discussion. You shouldn't say anything which should be interpreted as a offensive. Political correctness. Uh, that is everywhere. Is, uh, that is everywhere. everywhere. I uh, had, ironically, a discussion with uh, my brother-in-law about the term woke. Yeah. Uh, where there was uh, an attempt by the radical left here in Israel to pass uh, uh, surgery to transform from men to women. or Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, I don't know how mutilating oneself makes you transform from one thing to another. Chromosomes remain XXXY, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's already funny. a different story. But uh, it seems like societies are not willing to recognize reality. Yeah. And it seems that this also reflects to leadership today, where there's a lack of leadership which today's leadership, okay, it, it was to, to stay clear from tough decisions instead of taking decisions that cause your constituents to, to basically yeah. move in the right direction, explain to them why, and, and really develop a society that is better for, uh, for our families, for uh, societies at large, for that matter, yeah. for our nations. Uh, it seems that today it's all public polls. And, uh, let's see yeah. what society wants, and yeah. based on that, we will take decisions. Yeah, and I think uh, we must restore the principle of freedom to fail. And what I mean, because good political freedom to fail, freedom to fail. Okay. In order to succeed, and uh, this is what I mean, that good leaders they are not coming in one day out of the daylight that there is there is the man or there is the woman. You need to have roots. You need to have experience. You need to have a path to forward. But if you lose one, lost one election, you are done, wiped away. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in, in general means, this, our system cannot produce good decision makers and politicians in such a speed that if you fail one time, you are off. Mm. Because you need also failures and obstacles. Like uh, like Moses when he was in the desert, the people were nagging, but he was pushing forward. And uh, sometimes he failed. He had to go to the mountain and he got the, the, the Ten Commandments and then he crushed them and he had to go there again. And, and then step by step, and, and I always remember Winston Churchill, who was a great leader, who won the war for Great Britain. And after the war, he lost the elections, but he bounced back once again. Well, let's talk a little bit diplomacy. Yeah, as this is your uh, expertise, your yeah. uh, diplomat, you were a foreign minister and deputy prime minister, of course, of Finland. When we look at the diplomatic sphere today, there seems to be a lot of tensions between nations. Yeah, where does that emanate from? It's. Uh, I think the basic thing is trust. 
nobody uh, expects that uh, you are collaborating when you are uh, uh, discussing with each other. And I think it's it's a core issue is that you must have discussions and dialogue. You shouldn't uh, go away. You shouldn't uh, you shouldn't uh, just uh, playing ping pong and and uh, the, the learned uh, facts uh, who somebody else has written to you. There are three pillars of diplomacy. The first is converging interests. Yeah. The second is human relations, personal yeah. relations. Yeah. And the third one is timing. Yeah. And that's very that's very important. Learn your trade, be human, and then timing is everything. Right. If you are too early, you are considered to be crazy. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, you must be right at the right time. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, taking that into context, yeah. When when we look at uh, various scenarios, and and this is in in general terms, because I think that most nations need to deal with very tough decisions today. If we're yeah. talking about Finland, yeah. for instance, with Turkey, uh, about uh, their accession into NATO. Yeah. We talk about Israel and Saudi Arabia, particularly. Yeah. Uh, seeking to normalize relations, but having so many issues, uh, cultural issues, historic issues on the table. Where can we see this realign to a situation where tensions are subsided and pure diplomacy returns into the field? That's, That's the hard one because we always want to try for the truth. And that is the basic element in everything. If you want to be successful, don't deny the facts, the truth. And that is very tempting for many political leaders to cash on the short notice because uh, you must feed the crocodile of the media every day. It needs bites every day on constant basis. So how to be... Uh, good enough in order to reach your goal step by step. And then there is a trust. Persons are important. But there is also a trap in that sense that, for example, Finland and Russia. It was very, very uh, important that uh, I, as a foreign minister, negotiated with Mr. Lavrov many times. And our president, uh, Saulininist, uh, was discussing with Putin bilaterally many times. But we had to understand Russia is Russia and Finland is Finland. We are nice guys called Chuknas by Ruskies. We are nice people, but they are the superpower. Know the facts. Don't be driven away by the personal, uh, how would I say, uh, uh, personal things that you are important. But when the time, and that that is what you were uh, uh, saying uh, a moment ago, timing is everything. Be prepared, do your job, homework, get connected, and then bring the solution at the right time. For 30 years, between 91 and 2001, there was a one, single polar 
world uh, yeah. where the United States was yeah. the hegemon. Yeah. Uh, academically speaking, it was referred to as the Rome of the 21st century. Yeah, yes, that's um, right. <laughs> then came Wang Yi and, and his uh, national security advisor of China as well, and they met with uh, the American national security advisor, yeah. Jake Sullivan, and uh, the Secretary of State, uh, of course, Antony Blinken. In the first month in office, the first several days in office, they made, met in Alaska, 2021. And China informed the United States that we're pure nations right now. We're going to establish strategic power competition. This power competition, obviously, about the minerals of the world. Yeah. Where yeah. China sought to basically take over the minerals and, and start uh, uh, reevaluating the world. Uh, into a, a multi, they wanted a bipolar yeah. reality. Of course, it seems yeah. that it's becoming more and more a multipolar society, yeah. where India is a viable factor in yeah. this uh, situation. We see Russia, albeit a secondary role uh, to China at this stage, yeah. uh, it could uh, bounce back at some point. Uh, yeah. Always, when you look on the economics before the invasion. Yeah. I don't know where it stands right now, but before the invasion, R R Russia and in uh, no, Russia and Italy had well, the same same size, same size as the economy. Yeah, right. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so, where are those things heading? That's very interesting. Of course, Russia they have their nuclear weapons, and they will be on the map uh, because of that for for a long time. But but China. Has uh, has a, a different approach than Western societies. They can say that you have the watch, but we have a time. So they have, in a way, long playing strategies, and 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 they know that uh, they can play the ball a long long way. But then the other thing is that uh, China has been active especially in Africa, where there is a bad history for many uh, European countries because of colonization and the malfeasance of offices and everything else. But what is alarming is that U.S. has more or less withdrawn from Africa, and that, that could be costly. And, uh, and China has been also very active in, in different parts of the world, belt and road and giving, giving investments. And of course, if you want to have a look, the harbors in Portugal and Greece, the spots, uh, they, they are active in, in that in sense. Germany, in Germany. In Germany, oh. especially, it was, was it Hamburg or what? Hamburg. what? Yeah, yeah, it was. 24.6%. Yeah, it, it was amazing. And uh, and that is uh, one of the big things. They are talks about more uh, autonomy in Europe by Macron and everything else. I would say that the first thing is to secure the good relations and strengthening relations with Europe and US. Mm. And then together be working uh, with Africa, with other people, with other nations, if we are looked that, that if the people, BRICS countries, for example, 
think that if we scorn them, it's very dangerous policies. And that looks what, what now has happened between Ukraine war, South Africa, Brazil, India, mm. independent. You know, I, uh, I think it was three weeks ago I met with a chief of intelligence of one European country. And we spoke about, uh, you know, the, there is a lot, uh, the BRICS meeting that took yeah. place in Johannesburg. Yeah. Uh, South Africa, where South Africa was the host country. Brazil was there, obviously. Russia, China, and uh, India. Uh, even though India and China are rivals. Rivals, yeah. Fierce um, rivals. Yeah. They are very much aligned in their discontent or discontempt. Uh, more uh, towards the West. Uh, But uh, the word imperialism was thrown out there a lot uh, in that context. And then I met with a chief of intelligence uh, to get context for something else uh, regarding a research that I'm doing for for the news. And uh, I I asked him, uh, you know, the, the essence of imperialism. He said, Jonathan, you think China wasn't imperialist, is not imperialist right now? Mm-hmm. You think India was not imperialist? Uh, first of all, India was never a colony of Great Britain. It was an agreement between seven Indian princes. Uh, and there's a lot more to it than people realize. Yeah. But when you speak about India proper, before the, the so-called colonial times and so on and so forth... It was very much embroiled in various imperialistic motives and aspirations. Yeah. Uh, same go for African nations, tribes yeah. and nations. There were yeah, different yeah. sizes. Uh, the Mau Mau and then uh, anyways, we can go speak about history quite a lot here. But everybody within the context of imperialism, so to speak, it was always about resources, about yeah. the the aspirations to bolster the power of one nation that would ultimately also benefit its own citizens. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in the Bible, there's uh, yeah, yeah. speaking about uh, uh, the the benefits of being a Roman citizen for Paul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so anyways, uh, it, it goes back millennia, and, and we need yeah. to remember that uh, ultimately uh, men are men. When we're talking about yeah. uh, the the eagerness to accomplish and power and yada yada yada, I mean, uh, there's so much in that today. Yeah, where we're looking at what is BRICS all about? It's yeah. about replacing the West. Yeah, of course. It's not about being next to it. No, no, it's <laughs> you know? it's a competition. Exactly. Yeah, it's a competition, and it's the good vehicle for all of them. And when they are going to cooperate with the countries from the south side, they perform like they are clean. Mm. And of course, they have the history like you described. It's always about governing the others, exploiting the others. We are ontologically the same Adam, all of us. We haven't changed Mm. as a human person. I think one percentile of the world, you need to earn roughly $32,000 a month. And yeah. then you're in the one percentile of the entire world, talking yeah. holistically. Yeah, that's right. That, that is just 
to fathom that is is unbelievable. It's it's yeah yeah. If you think about the the people generally in Israel or in Finland or in in Western Europe, you are all rich. We are all rich. We're rich not only for that reason. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, praise God for that. Unfortunately, this is all the time that we have for today. Thank you so very much for thank being you. here, Timo. Thank you, Jonathan. And I'd like also to thank all of you at home. Uh, and until next time, from us here in Jerusalem, Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.